Welcome to the Rise Out Podcast. I'm your host, Kaz Casillas, husband, father, and performance coach whose main emphasis is to optimize human performance at all levels and help you make the decisions needed to live well, feel well. This show is geared towards high-performing parents who are stressed, overworked, overwhelmed, exhausted, are losing hope, and being pulled in every direction while expected to take care of everybody else's needs before their own. It's time to rise out from the ashes, emerge into your new life, become stronger, more courageous, powerful, more resilient, and acquire the knowledge needed to make better decisions to live well, feel well. Here's today's episode. Enjoy. Today on the show, we have Trey Morgan. Trey's been married to his wife, Lee, for over 30 years, and they've raised four boys. They've been involved in marriage ministry and marriage coaching for over 20 years while spending many weekends leading workshops called Stronger Marriage Workshops and Stronger Family Workshops. They get to speak to thousands of people each year and teach them how to build godly, healthy marriages and families. Trey and his wife, Lee, are also authors of the book, 10 Ways to a Stronger Marriage, available on Amazon and linked in the show notes below. It's nice having you today, Trey. Welcome, man. Hey, I am honored to be here. Thank you, Cause, for letting me be on the show today. What a blessing it is. You're most welcome, man. My wife and I really enjoyed that book that we just talked about. It is an amazing book that really changed and transformed our marriage. Let me just tell you, it's an amazing blessing. I appreciate that. It was a it's a very simple book, a very practical book. Uh, Chapters are short because those are all things that's me. Uh, You know, I am not a hey, we're going to sit here and, and you're going to have to read this paragraph twice to understand it. And it's going to be 30 pages long. You know, it was you're looking for a, a simple book that's just got some good practical thoughts. Uh, that was kind of what I was hoping that my wife and I could write. And it turned out really well. Thank you for that. No, and it's an amazing book. and It's an easy read, like you said. And for people like me who it takes a couple of reads and rereads to be able to understand that book is so simple to understand and it hits home on a lot of the messages that you have. I so I commend that. you on that, my brother. Ah, thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. You're most welcome. Now, Trey, what kind of father would your kids say you are or how would they describe you? Well, I, I think my kids would look at me as their father, but also their friend. Okay. Uh, definitely their father first. I have tried really hard for my my four sons. I have sons from age 32 down to 20. Okay. Um, last one is no longer a teenager. Praise the Lord. Uh, we, we don't have teenagers anymore, but I've got four boys, two married, two not married, two single. But, uh, you know, I have tried really hard to be uh, both their father and their friend during this time. Uh, father first, because I know that there have been times where, Uh, Of course, they have not liked me. They have not liked decisions I've made. They have not liked rules I've given them. They have not liked punishments that I have given them. But the thing I love about my relationship with my kids is they know that I love them, that I am their friend, and that they can message me or call me at any time, and and I am there for them. Uh, I will make time for them. I will drop what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I love that I can see my kids 
after being away from them for a week or so, uh, and every one of my boys will come up and hug my neck and and just be affectionate with their father. You know, that's who I am, and I love it. And I, I just love the relationship that I have with my boys. That's an awesome. It sounds like an amazing relationship. You know, the struggle between a father and their son is such a roller coaster at times. And that for them to be able to just say, you know what, I'm going to hug on my dad and not be ashamed of that or say, you know what, I'm just going to give him a side hug or anything like that. It speaks volumes to the kind of person you are, the kind of man, the kind of father and the kind of husband that you've spent the last 30 years trying to emulate our Lord Jesus Christ as well. Yeah. And I, and I love, I love the fact that, uh, I enjoy being a dad. I enjoy, and sometimes I apologize. I tell my kids who, you know, I've got one is 25 and, and I was telling him something about, you know, his car the other day. And I said, I know, you know, this, and I'm sorry, but you know, my job as a dad to say that tires low and you need to get that thing checked. Uh, I love being a dad and they're patient with me on that, but you know, you, you never stop. I've got my, my oldest son is 32. Um, He was an army ranger, special operations, a thousand jumps in Afghanistan, many of them at night, uh, as manly a man as you can find. And I still caught myself the other day hugging his neck going, hey, you buckle your seatbelt on the way home. And I'm like, man, there's a 32 year old combat veteran that I'm telling to buckle a seatbelt on the way home. You just never stop being a dad. And that's okay. Love your kids. God's given you that role. Cherish it. uh, Love it. And and I do. It's a good thing. That's awesome, man. As a father, I also agree that one of the best jobs that I have is being a father. And I hope to be able to grow, have, see them grow and look back upon the example that we gave them and say, you know what? Job well done. Yeah. And I, and I hope my, my sons, I know they have, uh, but I hope my sons have seen that I'm a I'm a fun dad. I'm a approachable dad, but then I'm also a, a Christian dad that, yes, uh, you know, yes. my, my boys have seen me pray. They've watched me pray with their mother. Um, they've seen me read my Bible. They see my faith and I, and I want them to know, you know, someday when I pass from this earth, you know, if my boys can say he loved God, he loved our mama and he loved us. Nothing else matters at my funeral than those three things right there. That is that is the epitome of what a strong Christian man, father, husband should should want to emulate. Isn't isn't that correct? Yeah, that is true. What about your wife? What does she say about you when behind closed doors or when she's with her friends? When you're not in ear within an earshot away? Well, as a as a as a husband, and like any person that's been married for more than a few years. I have the amazing ability to annoy my wife at times. Uh, and that's just a, a gift God has given wives. They're easily annoyed by their husbands. But I have true. no doubt my, my wife loves me. Um, you know, we're, we're best friends in this world. We're partners in everything we do. Uh, we choose to be codependent upon one another, meaning uh, we I don't want to do something she's not involved in, yet we, we don't we can't live and do things without one another. We can do things without one another, but we choose to, to just team up and be a team player. And, and it just makes life a whole lot more fun. But, uh, you know, Lee's encouraging to me. She doesn't always have to tell me that, uh, uh, that I, that I'm a good husband or a good father to know 
that she feels that because I also know that if I wasn't, she would probably tell me, uh, you know, we <laughs> Honesty. yeah, we have the relationship. My wife is one of those that if there's something she's not crazy about, she'll tell me. And, and that's okay. That's one, one of the things I love about her. That's awesome. That's awesome. It sounds like you and her have such an amazing relationship, especially with the ministry that you have. It speaks volumes to be able to work as a team, as a couple, but not only that, but as one unit. Yeah, and and it does, and that's taken it's taken thirty three years to to do that. Um, it didn't just happen this year, but I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of couples, especially young couples, new in marriage, uh, they get married and they're they they may look at a couple and go, why don't we have a marriage like that yet? Why don't we connect like they do yet? And and they may be two years into marriage where they're looking at a couple that's been married thirty years. We've had lots of times where uh, we've looked at couples and said we need to do better and be more like that. But you know, we always we always tell newlywed couples that you know, hey, when you get married, you don't have to have everything that your parents had. Sometimes newlyweds want to get married and they want to have all the house furnished exactly like their parents had. It's taken their parents, you know, thirty years of marriage to build yes. up what they've got. And the same is true with the relationship. You can't get married and then a year later go, well, why don't I have a marriage like my parents do? Well, it's taken us 30 something years of lots of peaks and valleys to figure out what has worked and what hasn't worked. And so, um, you know, there have been there have been times where where Lee and I struggle with things, uh, disagree with things. But, man, we have never looked back. We have never considered checking out on one another. Uh, if we check out in the worst, we miss the better because marriage is about for better and for worse. Of course. And I was kind of spying on your Instagram earlier, like I usually do pretty much on a daily basis. And I love your post, by the way. Thank you, you were talking about soulmates. Soulmates are not found, but they're made. Can you explain that a little bit more to me? I would love to, because there's such a misconception about soulmates in marriage. A lot of people in life think they're going to find the one out there for them and that they're going to just kind of meet them and go, I think this is my soulmate. Well, I don't believe that that is a realistic understanding of marriage. Marriage soulmates, you don't find your soulmate. You build them over time. Uh, It comes from those peaks and valleys that you do through, you know, 20 years of marriage or 10 years of marriage and, and soulmates, it takes a while to build that oneness that you have in marriage where you feel like that is my soulmate. Uh, You can be madly in love with your spouse on day one, but man, soulmates is something that it takes a while to create. Uh, It is definitely not something that happens on day one of marriage. Most importantly, I mean, I know that there's that honeymoon phase where everything's rocking and rolling. And then what is it about year four, year five, that things start going, getting a little bit rougher. Yeah, I always call that the the in shock stage. What did I do? You know, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it's just things. There's a lot of peaks and valleys, and and once that honeymoon stage kind of wears off, you're kind of now I got to live with this guy or this lady. I've got to live with them for the rest of my life, and he annoys me or she kind of frustrates me, and and you have to work through those times, and you can't focus. You can't spend all your time focusing on what you don't like about your spouse, uh, you've got to do a better job focusing on what you do like about your spouse. That's one of the things I love about newlyweds. Newlyweds do that so well. They they focus on what they love about their new spouse all they the really time. Do. And they kind of overlook those things that get on their nerves. 
but then you get married for 10 years and you turn that around and you just kind of forget how good your spouse is at doing things. And you just want to focus on what really drives you nuts about them. And, and we need to do a better job at being newlyweds in, in that area and in that stage. I, I think that's a, a great and valuable point that you just made. A lot of times we focus so much on what we want to change about our, our wife or our spouse. However, we forget the reason why we married him, the things that we fell in love with him. And through time, I've noticed that my wife and I have kind of grown apart, grown together, grown apart, grown together. Mm -hmm. However, our bond gets stronger if we focus on the good. That's right. That's right. And, and it's just that that's exactly how marriage works. There, there are days where you may not like your spouse very well, but you still love them with all of your heart. That doesn't of course, change. Of course. There's days when you wake up and you go, man, you know, we're just kind of button heads today, but you still love your spouse. And, and if, you know, marriage is not like cell phones on cell phones, you just upgrade something. If it's not working well, you, you just can't do that on a, no. on a marriage. You, you fix what you've got. Uh, you don't upgrade it or, or you're going to find yourself in more mess than what you were. Of course. Of course. And, as a husband who is also a minister, who's also a leader of the family, what is the, I would say, the, the most valuable lesson that you've learned so far? Oh, there's so many lessons that I've learned. Uh, but one of those things just in life is to, I've had to really work hard to learn how to balance the different yes. aspects of my life between what we do uh, in public, in in ministry, and what we do at home. Meaning, I'm one of these people that I want to do a good job. And and early, early in marriage, um, I probably neglected my family a little much Mm -hmm. by trying to make sure people felt like, boy, Trey's doing a good job at what he does. Um, and, and probably should have been a little more balanced on being a dad and a husband. And and I quickly reeled that in and realized that I can't be a successful minister, uh, marriage coach or whatever it is that I want to be in life. I really can't be successful at those things if I'm not successful at home in my marriage and with my, with my children. And so my first and most important ministry, uh, is with my wife and with my kids and, and if, if I'm unsuccessful in the other things in the world, but I'm successful in marriage and family, I'm successful. Uh, if, and you turn it around the opposite way, if I am unsuccessful in marriage and, and with all of my kids and yet find myself being successful in business, I'm really not successful. You know, uh, success at the end of your days, success is going to be about relationship, not about what you did or how much money you made. That is correct. I mean, our society places so much emphasis, especially for a man, in finding your identity and what you do, what you have, and who you know. That's true. Versus what the Bible says. Yes. You find our identity in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's right. So, And and, and we're trying, I, I love, if I had a message to men today, which I love speaking to men. If I had a message to men today, it would be find your identity first in in God, then in your marriage, and then in your children. Meaning more important than Trey the businessman or Trey the business owner or Trey the minister or Trey the marriage coach is Trey the husband. 
uh, and Trey the father. Those, that's where you want your identity. Um, and, and that's where, again, if you're successful in those things at home and in family, you're successful no matter what else happened in the rest of the world. I know that a lot of times we as men get so wrapped up in our careers and hanging out with the boys or hanging out with our friends and going out with them and doing things that we neglect our family. I know that as a young kid, my father always said, remember these three things, God, family, work, GFW, and everything else will fall into place. It's a, that's wise. Your dad was a wise man. And, and that is exactly right because uh, I like that GFW, everything else falls into place. And he is correct. So I really commend you on the amazing job that you've done with your boys. I mean, I know it wasn't easy raising, especially four boys. Now, as a father to those four boys, what has been the most important thing you've learned being a father? I think I think one of the most important things that I have learned is that it is okay to let my kids fail, Mm. Um, that it's okay to let my kids mess up. And and what I mean by that is they are going to fail. They are going to mess up but they need to learn from that. If, if they go through my school, which is 18 years of living in my home with me uh, getting them out of every little scrape that they get into, if me telling them, uh, although you got in trouble, it's all right, buddy. Um, if, if me never playing the role of a father in their world and kind of, kind of skirting th- things through, as they grow up as, hey, y'all are perfect kids and the world revolves around you. I have failed as a dad because my kids need to, you know, when they make a mistake, they need to uh, reap the consequences. Yes. And my job is not to get them out of trouble. And, and I've had, you know, all of my kids have been normal kids. Uh, they have all pulled stunts. They've all gotten into trouble. And there have been times where, I, you know, I've had to tell my kids, hey, you, you did the crime. You got to do the time, buddy. You know, you got yes. you got the ticket. You got to pay the ticket. Uh, when there have been times in my past that I thought, you know, I could probably get them out of that, you know, because I know people in this community, but they would have learned nothing from that. They exactly. would have learned, you know, they needed to understand that, hey, if you, if you, don't do things the way my parents have explained, or if you don't do the things that God has explained for him to do things, then yeah, bad things are going to happen in life because you're going to make stupid mistakes. And then you've got to pay a price. And, and my kids have had to pay the price on some stuff. And, and we have done really well at going, Hey buddy, you broke a rule and you got some ISS at school. Sorry, you know, enjoy your three days in ISS. Don't be doing that anymore. There you and go. Instead of trying to, you know, say, ah, oh, somebody was out to get them or, you know, my poor kid, he doesn't ever do anything wrong. You, you know, we've got to let our kids make mistakes and we can't get them out of trouble. We can't lie for them. No. Uh, my kids, all four of my kids at some point or another, when they were in high school, had the same little spill of, Dad, could I sleep in today, please? Just let me sleep for a couple hours. Write me a note. Send me to school. I won't. You know, they made good grades. And they said, they said, I'm not going to miss anything. And I, and I believe that. But I would tell every one of them, I said, you can sleep in. I have no problem with that. But I will write on the note that you chose to sleep in, that you are that you are not sick. You know, you can pretend like you are. You are not. I'm not going to lie for you. Uh, you know, you just chose to sleep in. And all four of them, all four of them got up and went to school instead of uh, 
deciding to sleep in that day because I, I want to awesome. know. I'm not, I'm not going to lie for you. I'm not going to get you out of trouble and be dishonest. Uh, if you, if you, if you're not sick, I'm not going to say you were, you know, and I think as a father, that was really important in my kids world to know that, uh, Hey, you know, if I get in trouble, I'm going to have to pay a price. And, and sometimes yes. whether it was grounding or turning in your cell phone or, uh, Hey, bring me your car keys, you know, kids get in trouble. And the they best do. thing you can do is let them pay a price. And there are going to be times, as I said earlier, your kids aren't going to like you. And that's okay. Your job is to raise a good, responsible Christian young man or a woman, um, not to be their buddy or their pal their whole life and not exactly. make them pay a price. That's correct. There was a little debate on Facebook last night that we were talking about where some teenagers, 13 years of age, had vandalized somebody's decorations for Christmas. So the debate was whether or not they should turn them in to the cops and press charges or not. So as I was, we were, my wife and I were reading the conversation or the comments and we were like, looked at each other, like we'd both turn them in. If our kids did something, you did the crime, you do the time. So our daughter was, came in about that time and we talked to her about it and she was kind of appalled. You would turn me in. I was like, I would drive you myself and take you there. So she was kind of astonished that her own parents would turn her in for something that she did. Yeah. It, 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 there's just rules in life and, and, and kids need to understand that. Um, we had, you know, we've always kind of prayed, Lord, if my kids are doing something they're not supposed to be doing, let them get caught because sometimes the best thing you can do is your kids get caught for doing something stupid. Yes. Then they won't do it anymore. If they get away with it all the time, they're going to keep doing it. And, and I had one son that seemed like, during about his sophomore year of high school that every time he turned around, he's getting caught doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. And we told him, said, yeah, it's probably God answering our prayers that if you do something wrong, you know, uh, let, let, let him get caught. And he was so frustrated with us. He said, wait, you're praying what? And I said, we're praying that you get caught every time because you're going to keep doing things that are not good uh, if you don't get caught. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough thing to pray. Lord, help, help my kids to get caught if they're doing things that go against your will. But, you know, if they don't get caught, though, you're going to keep it up, you know, yes. train them while they're young. That's, that's a thing. And, and yeah, raising kids, raising kids can be tough too. Sometimes you just want to choke them, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, it speaks a lot to the kind of people that we encounter on a daily basis. We see a lot of people who struggle with telling the truth or even doing things that are right. And I wonder if it was because of the example of the parents or the not ex the example that they didn't have at home, you know, or if they were called to face their consequences. Yeah, and, and it's true. And, and our kids are going to learn from us by our example way more than they're ever going to learn by what we say. I can tell my kids all day long, we don't lie in this house. But if somebody comes to my door on a on a Saturday selling something and I tell my kids, tell those people I'm not home because I don't want to talk to them. Well, I've just told my kids we do lie in this house despite yes. what I've said. And you can't pull things like that because your kids they learn more from watching you than they ever do from anything you're going to say. So yes. as a parent, as a father, and as a mom, man, you got to toe the line. You, there's no double standards out there. There isn't. And even I, I have two boys and a little girl and my two little boys, they emulate everything I do, the way I speak, the way that I act. If I start getting angry, my little four-year-old is 
the mini version of me. That's what my wife says. And she's like, you're going to have to pay consequences for the way you behaved with him, maybe even a hundred times more. So it's kind of funny that you say that, that we learn by watching our parents. That's true. And I have, you know, they're going to pick up personality traits of their dad and, and your kids are going to be like you. And you realize it further down the line in marriage, uh, in, in life, I've got, uh, I've always been kind of a little bit on, I can, I can really play the sarcastic uh, role really well. Uh, yes, sarcasm yes, yes, kind of yes. can get me in trouble sometimes. Uh, almost sometimes wish there was a sarcasm font uh, on social media. So people yes. would know, oh, he's just kidding around, you know, of course. uh, but I've raised some kids that are extremely sarcastic. And there are times where I'm thinking, yeah, I probably run them in that area, but, uh, you know, it's just areas that we have to, Hey, tone back that sarcasm just yes. a little bit, but, uh, yes. yeah, our kids learn from us. And so be careful what you're teaching your kids and what they're seeing, because they're going to do what you do. That's exactly true. My, my little girl is so sarcastic. And my wife was like, she wasn't like that until <laughs> you came around. So they do learn from the best, right? That's right. That's exactly right. They learn from the best. Now, with your with your four boys, raising them in the way that you just talked about, being a husband, we all face struggles. You face struggles. Can you tell us a couple of the struggles or the, your greatest struggle that you've encountered so far? Well, I, I, you know, there's a lot of struggles as a parent. There have been times in the past where, um, I, you know, there are times where you don't always relate with your kids. Mm -hmm. uh, when they get to be teenagers, they're going to go, your children are going to go from thinking you're pretty awesome and they want to hang out with you to when they get to be teenagers, uh, unless you're doing something that I'm interested in, dad, then yeah, I may not talk to you for a week. Yes. Uh, and, and you have to reverse roles and find things in their world to be a part of. For example, um, you know, early, it was like, why do they play video games so much? Why do they want to <laughs> spend on the computer all the time? Yes. And then I had, you know, why are they not out here wanting to do something with me? And, and then I kind of had to learn that, Hey, if I want to spend time with them, I'm going to have to go pick up a remote control on a video game mm -hmm. and say, let's play. Uh, and, and I've got to have to be involved in their world, not just expect them to be involved in my world. And that was a little tough. It took me a while to negotiate that and to kind of figure out how that worked. Uh, because for a while it was just kind of like, why, why do you, why are you all of a sudden not, why do you like your friends more than you like me? Yes, uh, yes. It is just a stage that kids go through, but it is important as parents that we still find ways to be a part of their world when they may not relate to ours really well. That was a struggle that I had. Um, and then just, just the fact that, uh, there were times to where, um, discipline, all, all my kids are different and we always wanted to discipline them the same. And we learned after a while yes. that you, you can't always. And what that means is that doesn't mean you let one get away with something that you don't let the other get away with. It just means that I had one that I was going to have to really get onto. Mm -hmm. I was going to have to punish. I was going to have to punish or he wasn't going to learn. And then I'd have another one over here that I could just look cross-eyed at and say, I am so disappointed in you. And I ripped his heart out and it yes. was all it would take, you know? Uh, and so it, it took me a while to learn on discipline as well. Uh, just kind of what, what, what hurt which kid the worst? Yes. Um, you know, I still remember when one of our kids came in and 
they were in trouble and we tried to take away their cell phone and, and they said, could you just give us a spanking? Uh, you know, that would hurt a lot wet less. And it was like, okay, so we realized we're what really hurts. Give me the yes, cell phone. Yes. Uh, and Those so devices yeah, are so addictive though. They are. And so you just have to learn as you go that, uh, uh, sometimes what works with one kid doesn't work. What time, sometimes what punishment works with one kid may not work with another and, uh, just do your best to be fair. And we've always tried to err on the side of grace, meaning, you know, if we're unsure about what happened or if we're unsure about this or about that, we, we just, we try to be gracious. We try to put ourselves in our kids' shoes we were teenagers once. We yes. understand. We have, believe it or not, they don't believe it, but we understand where they're coming from. Uh, and and yeah, as a parent, that was a that was a little bit. There's it's just about the time you learn how to be a good parent, the last one leaves the home. Yes, that's it. And and you know, about the time you figure out, I got all this parenting stuff down, they're all gone. And so it's it's just a, a short course in in life when you have kids. Yes. And that, and that is an amazing uh, comparison because we're in the life stage where we can see night and day between our boy and our, and our two, our, our two boys and our little girl, even within the, they also see how we are disciplining different. And one says, well, that's not fair. Well, this isn't fair for you. Then why is it fair for me? You know? So they start questioning why we're doing things differently or why this other person seems to have gotten a, a less of a punishment when in reality, it's just working towards their personality. Yeah, that is exactly right. That is exactly right. Now, as a husband, what is the most important thing we should keep as a major focus and why? Well, I think, I think as a husband that you know, I'm going to keep my focus on God. I'm going to keep my faith where it should be. Uh, but I'm also not going to neglect my marriage. Uh, as a husband, I can find it really easy to get involved in my hobbies. And especially if you've got a hobby that requires a lot of time. Uh, and, and if you're working outside the home and then all of a sudden you got hobbies and you turn around and you got kids and you got mm -hmm. kids athletics and you got kids events and kids that, and you turn around and you and your wife haven't been on a date in a month. Uh, you haven't spent any time with your wife, you know, you somewhere or another, you, you've got to give that marriage priority, even when you're raising your children or you'll have empty nest someday and you'll also have an empty marriage and that's not mm -hmm. what you want. Uh, there's actually a, a, a little bit of a, a peak in the divorce rate uh, after empty nest happens in a lot of marriages, because a lot of marriages, they just put on the mom and dad hat and they never go back to putting on the husband wife hat until yes. the kids leave the home. And then all of a sudden they haven't been dating. They haven't really, they don't have a relationship. They don't have a whole lot of friendship. They've just been raising kids together and, and they're home alone. And all of a sudden they just kind of look across the table at each other and go, I don't really know who you are. And yes. uh, that divorce rate peaks in that. And so it's important as we're raising our kids and, and starting a career, uh, to, to make sure that we're also doing marriage because that's going to be around for the long haul. You know, yes. my kids are going to leave, but, but my marriage is around for the long haul and I want it to be good uh, in the future. And that's going to require me to put some, some work in it today. And I really do commend the job that you do with your wife through your social media, your, your various platforms, your podcast. I can see how much focus you have on you and your wife. I know that, 
uh, maybe about a month ago, you came back from Mexico, correct? Yes. Just that little time away from everybody is so special. And I think a lot of times we as husbands and couples neglect that part of our life of spending quality time together. Yeah. And, and not everybody, if you've got kids, if you've got small children, you can't take off and go to Mexico, you know, in the month of October, but you know, (laughs) we've, we've worked hard uh, to get those kids raised and to have a relationship. And, but I mean, there are things you can do while you have kids at home. Um, You know, whether it's a, a date night, weekly date night, putting the kids, if you've got small kids down early for bed and having some time alone, not just going and collapsing in your chair and falling asleep. Yes. But you have got to work on that marriage. And, and Lee and I have got to have that. We, we spend an unbelievable amount of time together. We really do. Um, we work together. We, everything we do for the most part is together, but we still need downtime as a couple. Yes. Uh, I need, we need to not, there need, there needs to be times where we're not Trey and Lee. Uh, and that's when we'll sneak off to Mexico or somewhere where we can just go be ourselves without yes. having to worry of somebody looking at us, um, you know, are we going to run into somebody? Just, we just, sometimes you just need some downtime for us to rebuild some friendship, uh, to do some things fun that we like to do together. We do get to travel a lot. Uh, we do that with speaking engagements and workshops that we do, but we don't always get a lot of time to do fun stuff together. Somebody, you know, said one time said, Oh man, y'all had a great time. Got off on a trip to Tennessee. And we were like, yeah, we, we landed at four o'clock one afternoon. We're back on a plane at, at four o'clock the next day. You know, we basically yes. saw Tennessee out a window and turned yes, around and came yes, home. Yes, yes. So we, we realized that we still have got to be uh, intentional at finding some time by ourselves alone. Uh, and sometimes in our little community, that means leaving town uh, because you can't always have a, a date night in a, in a small community where everybody knows you and everybody stops to visit with you. And so we, it's good for us to get out of town and sneak away and, and do things that married couples do. That's awesome. I like how you, you emphasized intentional. We can't just go on a date just because it's Friday night. You have to make that time intentional and have a purpose to the madness. Is that correct? That is exactly right. Nobody has a great marriage or a great family by accident. It will be because you've worked on it and you have been intentional at dating and holding hands and being affectionate. And you just go down the list. Um, All of those things take work. You don't show up at a gym or you don't decide you want to get in shape one day. And the next day you wake up and go, wow, I look great. You know, I've lost 20 (laughs) pounds. If you want to get in shape and if you want to lose 20 pounds, buddy, you're going to have to go to work. And the same is true with marriage. If you want to have a great marriage, you're going to have to go to work and you're going to have to get busy on it. And, and, it can be done. And that's one of the things I like about your book, 10 Ways to a Stronger Marriage, is that you break it down. You give us 10 ways to strengthen our marriage. And one of those is date ideas. You give us those ideas on how to date. But a lot of guys think, well, I have to buy this, take my wife to a fancy dinner, have to buy her all these flowers, have to do this, have to do that. We're kind of just checking off the boxes, which is not always necessarily correct. Or anyways, it shouldn't be correct just by checking off the box. It should be intentional, like you said that. Yeah, and, and that is true. And date night, oh, it can be so simple. Uh, it can be a, 
uh, ordering drive through off a dollar menu and going to the park and sitting yes. in your vehicle uh, at the park and, and eating there. It can be as simple as, you know, if you've got a kid old enough to watch the other kids, uh, hey, mom and dad are going to run a quick errand. We'll be right back. And, and you sneak your wife, don't even tell her, yeah, sneak off to the ice cream store and go, hey, let's go get ice cream yes, uh, and yes, have about yes, yes. 20 minutes. Go sit in your driveway if you need to be close to home and, and enjoy just some time with just you two. Uh, yes. You know, there's so many easy date ideas. One of one of mine and least favorite things to do is in the evening times, about five o'clock or six, when it kind of cools off in the summer, um, is we go for a walk together. Uh, we'll take off and go walk for a mile or two around our little neighborhood and area. We don't have cell phones in front of us. There's no TVs. There's nobody around us to talk to us. We get so much communication done while just walking together and going yes. for a walk. And, yes. and, and you may have little kids. Maybe you need to go to a park and, and put them on some playground equipment and just walk around the playground and let them play on the inside where you can keep an eye on them. But there's just so many things you can do for dates. They don't have to be expensive. You can have at home dates. Mm -hmm. uh, last year during COVID, uh, actually we were shut down this time last year. Uh, everything was kind of closed up again uh, when they had another bump or spike in the, the COVID stuff. And Lee and I usually in December, we have a, a date, it's kind of our annual thing. We dress up in our nice clothes. Okay. Once a year thing, we go eat at a really nice restaurant and go to a concert or a Christmas something or another. And it was all shut down. And so oh, last man. year we decided we, we fixed a, a nice dinner at home. We dressed up. Uh, I put on a jacket and tie wow, and Lee okay. put on a dress and man, she looked amazing. And it was like, we then we said after we ate we sat on the couch and watched a concert on on YouTube nice. uh, of okay. one of our favorite and I thought man this was a fun date night yeah we had a great time uh, that's awesome it, you know, dates can just be so much more simpler than what a lot of people think um, and 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 the husbands I just challenge you husbands step up you were the one before marriage that were just constantly going. Hey, what night do you have free this week? I'd love to spend some time with you. Yes. Uh, you know, are you free Thursday night? Are you free Friday night? Are you free both nights? And then after yes, you're married, yes, a lot yes. of the guys are kind of like, well, you just tell me if you want to do something and get it planned and let me know. Yes. No, you, you step up and be the guy who goes, what's a good night for us to go out this week? Or the kids are in school. Can I pick you up for lunch uh, if you can't find a babysitter? Of Whatever course. it is. But but I love it when men step up and see the value of of putting some intentionality in their marriage. Exactly. I think we as men have become so passive after we we court our wives for so long and eventually get married. We become a little passive and just kind of want to sit on the recliner or the couch or yes. go into our man cave instead of spending yes. quality time with our children and our wife. Yes. And, and you know, I, I heard a story about a guy the other day they were in counseling uh, four or five years after they got married because he, you know, marriage wasn't going smooth. And, and his wife said, his wife said, I need you to be the guy that I married said, you proposed to me and you had rose petals, literally 40 yards that we walked across for you to propose. She said, we've been married four years and you have yet to buy me a flower. Wow. Where did that okay. guy go yes. that I married that was so romantic? And if you were romantic before marriage, you can be romantic after you get married. Uh, so don't stop doing those things. Those are so important to, to wives that you continue to be that guy that they married. 
you speak about us being intentional about us going back to what we were prior to getting married and becoming fathers or husbands when we really wanted to get our our girl's attention. Yes. How have you kept that fire going through these 30 plus years with children, with ministry, with speaking engagements? How have you, know, you done it, that? It has required being intentional, but, uh, you know, we, you learn to be a student of your spouse. I have okay. learned what my wife likes. I have learned what she thinks is romantic hmm. and I'm willing to do those things. My wife is not a big flower girl. Uh, okay. meaning she don't want me to spend 40 bucks on a, a bouquet of flowers. She would rather uh, me take her out for Tex-Mex, which is her favorite thing in okay. the world. Okay. Um, and, and, but I can walk across the street uh, to a sweet little widow lady that lives across streets, got rose bushes and pick her a free flower for no reason. And she loves it. Uh, and so you, you kind of learn what it is your wife likes and you continue to do those things. Uh, my wife is, my wife loves, um, honesty, openness, detail, communication. She loves when I communicate with her things that I don't even understand why, why that's important to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, but because it's important to her, I'm willing to do that because I know that there's some things in my world that she does for me that she probably goes that, you know, I have no desire for that at all, but because I love my husband, I am more than happy to do that for him. And, and you just have to be intentional as a, as a husband to say, I am still going to be not just a dad while my kids are at home, but I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to be a wife and, and we're going to continue to date and continue to be affectionate. And your kids need to see that anyway. Your, your children mm -hmm. in your yes. home are in your school of marriage. And if you're never showing a marriage, they're not going to know how to do marriage. They exactly. need to see you going on dates. They need to see you getting a babysitter because mom and dad want to spend time together. They need to see you uh, hugging and kissing in the kitchen and say, yes. gross, that stop it. That's healthy yes, for your yes, children. Yes. They need to see those sort of things uh, because they need to see what marriage looks like. Exactly. A healthy marriage should be able to be, like you said, honest. And in your book, you also talk about being honest with what people would call taboo or as your phone. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's a, that is such a huge thing today. And, and I'm sure there are other people talking about it, but man, we really catch some folks off guard when we talk about actually the chapter, the chapter in our books called let's get naked, but yes, not that yes, way. Yes, yes. And, and it talks about being naked in your, your marriage where you don't hide things from your spouse that you're open with your spouse. And that's kind of how God created marriage mm -hmm. with Adam and Eve. They didn't right. have any secrets. Um, and, and one of the worst things you can do is start covering up. Uh, when you start hiding things from your spouse, purchases, uh, money, just things on your cell phone, things you're doing on social media. Yes, when you start yes, covering yes. up and you're no longer naked with your spouse, you're in trouble. And, and that's why my wife knows the passcode to my cell phone. Mm -hmm. I want her yes. to know anytime she wants to pick my phone up, she can pick it up. Uh, anytime she wants to use my Google, she can use my Google. If she wants to scroll through what my history is on Google, she's more than welcome to. If she wants to look at my text messages, uh, I just want her to know my phone is her phone and, and vice versa. There are times exactly. we go to the gym together and she leaves a phone at home and she'll go, oh, I have no clue how to do this 
uh, this exercise uh, correctly. Can I borrow your phone? I go, it's right there. Uh, and, and she may have it for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't ever stress over it. It's, it's great accountability knowing That's that awesome. I'm not doing things on my phone that I don't want my wife to see and vice versa. And, and just a huge red flag is when people come and they go, Hey, my, my, my wife or my husband's locked their phone. And, mm-hmm. and they, they say that's their private spot and they don't, they don't want me looking at their phone or their text messages. And it's just like, you know, they're obviously doing something they don't want you to see, or of course, they of wouldn't course. care for you to look at anything on their phone. But uh, yes, uh, man, openness in marriage uh, is just one of the great keys to a healthy marriage and oneness in your marriage. Uh, when you can just go, Hey, I got no secrets. You know, my wife knows my passwords to all my social media. Nice. If she wants to use the laptop. She's going to have to sign me out to get on hers and she can read anything she wants to on my stuff before <laughs> she does. I don't care because I'm, I want to be naked in our marriage. I want, uh, I want a, a marriage that's totally open and uncovered. That's like the communication that God intended with Adam and Eve at the very beginning of time where there was nothing to be hid, nothing to be ashamed of. And that's just an amazing feeling to be able to be transparent with the person you love. That is exactly right. That is that is a way marriage was created to be. And when you have that, it is fantastic. That's an awesome blessing. And it's just such a blessing and an inspiration for me going on my sixth year of marriage with my wife about to be six years and looking to someone who's been married for 30 plus years had has had peaks has had valleys but are still going so strong that even on your social media you post about how beautiful your wife is how much you love her and she does the same thing right back and nobody's afraid of oh well what is this person going to think about my wife or what are they going to think if they're not going to think I'm single anymore or stuff like that. And I just, that is an awesome feeling. And I just really want to thank you for that example that you're giving each and every one of us today. I appreciate it. It, Marriage can be fun when it is done correctly. And when you do it the way God designed to do it, it's good stuff. Man, I also just want to ask you a question. If you could go back when you were 18 years old, think about that time. I know it's about two years ago. Yeah. (laughs) What piece of advice would you give young 18-year-old Trey? Man, I would go back and I would grab myself by the collar and I would say, grow up and be (laughs) mature and quit worrying about what everybody else thinks. Yes. Um, Yeah. I I mean, my my maturity level at 18 was not anywhere what it should have been. Uh, I am just so thankful that God put uh, Lee in my life, who was so much more mature than I was to give me some direction and some accountability and some example. And there are just so many spots. If I could go back to when I was 18, I'd go, Hey buddy, we need to talk and you need to hear me clear, grow up, uh, be an adult, act like an adult, uh, quit being selfish and, and just, you know, quit worrying about what everybody else thinks about you. You know, uh, in life, it's just so, so at that age, you're just so concerned with who's going to like you and who's not going to like you. And that's just such not a big deal anymore. And, you know, we carry that through life so many times that even in marriage, we care, we care so much about what other people think about us than actually doing what we need to be doing for our spouse. True. That is exactly right. 
I know that I've had a great time talking to you and we've done an amazing, you've done an amazing job just with your book, your uh, seminars, your, your speaking engagements, and just the example that, that you give us men is just a commendable job that we want to emulate people like you because you do such a fantastic job at what you do. I appreciate it. Well, I, I am no different from anybody else. I make my mistakes and, and sometimes I have to pick myself up by the uh, backseat of my pants and go, hey, Kate, you got to do better than this next time. But uh, I appreciate that. If you want to know more about mine and Lee's uh, work that we do in the marriage world, you can find information on us at treyandlee.com. That's T-R-E-Y-A-N-D-L-E-A.com. You could probably just Google Trey and Lee and, and it'll find us. We'll uh, also have we a would, link in, in yeah, the show notes below. Awesome. We appreciate it. Find us on social media. Uh, come go to one of our workshops. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Amazing job, Trey. Thank you for such an amazing time. And I want to just thank our listeners for allowing us to come into their their personal space, taking some time to listen to our wonderful message today. Be kind, be well, have a blessed day.